Hi, and welcome to the podcast ministry of New Life Church in Springfield, Ohio. We hope that the transformative truths of God's Word impact, challenge, and bless you. There was a time when all of us needed the love and encouragement of the loving Father's heart. These are people who have knowledge and understanding. They have revelation. They, they get it, but they are hurt. They are spiritually wounded. And so you're up here like, why are you serving more applesauce? You know, sometimes. I'm like, they just need to know that God loves them. They need some just basic answers. They need an interaction. They need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. They just need some, they just need love. They have, they have deep knowledge. They just need to recover spiritually. And I thought about this. Because those kind of people are the ones who slide under the radar sometimes, you know, because that you obviously they know what they're talking about. They're very intelligent, but that doesn't, that doesn't, you know, disqualify you from being deeply wounded. Amen? Didn't me. So I wrote this down. You can always tell if a person is a baby physically, right? You can tell, right? There are no boss babies. You know, you, you, can, you can tell, you know, it's a... Yeah, it's like, Grayson is a baby. When I met him, I didn't want, how are you, sir? God bless you. It's good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Yeah. And do that and say, oh, Laney, you know, what, what, what do you do? I, <laughs> I cry and I eat and I poop. <laughs> like, that's, that's, I, you know, you don't, you know it's a baby. But you don't always know who's wounded. Right? You don't always know who has gone through deep, emotional and spiritual trauma and that has a good front up but the Holy Spirit does and if we will be a loving church and like I said that is just kind of my commendation to you today I commend you um, for creating you know, and, and helping to create an atmosphere um, where it's okay not to be okay where we can love people where we can meet people at the place of their needs amen because that's where Jesus met you what was that old song mom like um at the, at the point of my knees, mercy came around. And you remember that in a little old school? No? Mercy came around in. Like that? Something like that? Like a prisoner set free. Passed all my failures to the point of my need. Do you remember that one? And the sin that I carried was all I could see. And when I could not reach mercy... Mercy came running to me. That's what I'm talking about. Let's meet them where they're at. Let's meet them where they need us. Let's bring Jesus to where they can get to and not try to just be this church where you say, well, if you can get on the level that we want you to be on, if you can be who you need to be, then you can come and you can read. No, let's meet people who are hurt, who are broken, where they are. Bring Jesus to them. Sometimes that's what a church has to do, right? There are times when Jesus passes by. He's like, blind man, pop. And there are other times whenever he needs some people to tear the roof off and lower somebody right into the place because it would not have happened otherwise. Let's do it, amen? Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise and just say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Man, I got to get going. <laughs> that was a commendation to the church and just a little bit of vision casting about who we want to be as a body. Amen. Amen. Read this passage of scripture to you. Pastor Andrew actually preached on 
this from a different angle the other night, so I almost didn't, but, you know, that's, the, the, the Word of God is so powerful, so alive. We're just going to go in a little different direction. And I'm going to read this quickly. Um, stick with me. This passage scripture in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was, it was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. He had a relationship with He loved this person. How, you know, how, how close do you got to be to God to be like, the, you know, the, guy, the, the person that your favorite person's sick, and then him know who it is, right? He loved Lazarus. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death. Somebody say, unto death. We're going to come back to that because there's a lot of wrong theology all over that that gets taught, and so we'll come back and circle back. Um, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so when he had heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. Now, it doesn't really say that he healed, that he taught. I mean, he, he could have, but he stayed. That's the operative word right here. And, you know, it's a, a lot of times, you know, the, the word of God will say when Jesus is in a certain area, like, and he did many miracles, or the, he you know, healed the sick, he cast out demons, he did his thing. Um, there's only one operative word there, and it said he stayed. Usually you hear him going. Jesus went here. Jesus went there. Jesus go here. He did this. Not a lot of times you see he stayed because that's active, right? When Lazarus needed him the most, he stayed for two more days. And then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going there again? You sure? Jesus said, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. If one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said after them, that, that he said unto them, our friend Lazarus sleeps so that, but I go that I may wake him up. I'm really hard on the disciples and I'm gonna give them an, uh, you know, a, a little bit of grace this time though because I'm usually pretty, uh, my commentary is not the most um, you know, nice and understanding. And his disciples said, Lord, I feel like this is one of those Jesus traps where he says something really crazy and I have no idea what he's talking about. No one knows what he's talking about. He's always doing this and then I step into it and then, you know, we, I feel like an idiot. But Lord, uh, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking of him taking rest and sleep. And Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And this is important. Listen, listen. And I am glad for your sakes I was not there. Whose sakes? Yeah, not for Jesus' sake. For your sake. That's a big part of this. Um, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then Thomas, you know, what, what is Thomas known for? Right? It could be worse. It could be like really ignorant question, Thomas, you know. Um, <laughs> he says... I feel like being with Jesus, a little break here. Um, I feel like walking with Jesus is constantly you're walking into traps. And I really am hard on the disciples, but they do ask dumb questions. But he asks really hard questions. You ever know somebody like that? They'll be like, you know, and it's, they're always made to, you know, for you to get the question wrong. You know, like, I can't stand teachers like that. I can't stand instructors like that. Just drive me nuts. They'll be like, what is the most important thing about math? 
this is such a subjective, stupid question. Obviously, I'm going to get it wrong unless I land right on what you is in your mind right now. Like, what's the what's the most important, you know, part of of you know God? And like, oh, you know, mercy, love. No, um, you know, holy. And you're like, oh, any of those could have been right. I hate it when people do that. And I feel like the disciples sometimes they walk through that. And and he's like. Uh, He's like, what, if I say unto you, that, and they're like, oh, I have no idea where this is going, but I'm going to try. And so Thomas tries to be spiritual and come up with a really good spiritual answer. Because Jesus is like, I will go wake him. And they're like, oh, won't he wake on his own? He's dead. Why can't you just say that? <laughs> I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm like, why can't you? Okay. And then Thomas is like, uh, well, we will all go and die with him. And Jesus says, just stop. Stop. What are you talking about? Thomas like, oh, well, I, I don't know what you're talking about ever. I never know what you're talking about, Jesus. Like, I just, we, okay, let's just go. Let's just follow. Sometimes we have to be like that. We just, oh, I'm just going to follow God. I don't know. I have no idea what's going on in my life. This does not make sense how he's let me walk through this. I do not know what's going on. I just need to follow him. Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go also that we may die with him. No commentary from Jesus. <laughs> Just kept walking. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the woman around Martha and Mary and comforted them to comfort concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But now, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Pastor Andrew covered this. Martha said to him, I know, I, yeah, I know, I know. I don't want one of your spiritual answers right now. I know he's going to rise again, you know, in the, in the last resurrection. I know that, you know, someday we all will. And sometimes it feels like that. We're just getting kind of like the rote Christian, Christian answers for our questions. You ever done that? You ever come to like a, a pastor or like another Christian? And you're just like, like, well, this is what's going on. Well, brother, you know, the Lord knows. Yes, I know, but there's a genuine question. Like, I'm not looking for just an absolute, like, a, a Christian platitude. And there's a word for the day, all right, platitude. That's whenever you just say Christianese things and don't really answer hard questions. You ever had that? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just something very spiritual. Yeah, well, bless God, you know, he's great, greatest, you know, he's, he's oh, she said, I know, I know he's going to resurrect on the last day, like at the final resurrection. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who has come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went away and secretly called Mary to her, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she quickly arose and came to him. Jesus, now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but he was in the place where Martha met him. And the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. And then when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him. She fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, everybody's with a lot of weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35. 
Jesus wept in front of people. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus again groaned in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and the stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha and the sister of him who was dead said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. Somebody need to pick that up and run with it today. But because of the people who are standing by, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to preach today, to be in your, in your house. Lord, I pray that a true and divine revelation will just fill this place, that people will be challenged, people will be changed, and that we will see you as you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've got, I, I need to do a little bit of a teaching right here. <clears throat> this, I feel like is discombobulated, but it will come together, Lord willing. First of all, I want to talk to you about two different kind of journeys. Um, I'm sorry, but the journey of a believer's pain and suffering isn't the same as a non-believer. There is a, the, a pervasive theology that it is, that our stories, you know, that our journey through life is going to be the same no matter what. Hey, it's all going to work out for the best. You know, if it was meant to happen, you know, it'll happen. That gets you know, flung around a lot, right? You know, and, and if somebody's like, you know, and for me, having a little bit of theology, theological understanding, I'm like, mm, you know, like the promises of God are for those who are walking in God's way, right? That, that's how you tap in. You have to kind of walk in his shoes if you don't want to get caught in the snowdrift. You've got to walk in his direction, uh, you know, for his favor. Now, there is grace and mercy and love outside of the divine will of God for your life. He loves you outside of what you're supposed to be doing. He has mercy and grace, but to walk in his favor, you got to walk in the way that he wants you to walk. Does that make sense? Like mercy and grace and love go outside of God's path for your life, but, but the favor is kind of like, you know, um, there's a crazy verse uh, in the Bible that says he makes their, you know, your path straight, which is really cool because it's not like he leads you into a straight path. Like where you're going, when you're going the way he wants you to go, he actually causes the path to come into straightness, right? So that's pretty wild. You know, he's the path maker. He's the way maker. That's, that's pretty impressive. He will do that, but you've got to walk in his way to walk in his favor. Now, like I said, mercy will go to wherever you're at. Love will go to wherever you're at. Grace will go to where you're at. But in order to, you know, as a believer, to walk in his favor, you've got to do, do, do the God things. You've got to obey the word. You've got to fall. You've got to walk after him, right? To truly walk in his favor. Now, the journeys of a believer and a non-believer may intersect. You know, they both may go through hard things. They may both experience loss and pain and discouragement. Um, so they'll go through different things in different ways. And this will happen. This will happen. 
you're going to see them in the exact same place and kind of question like, well, he believes in God. He loves the Lord. He does not, and they're at the same place. Like, right? They're working in the same factory. Like, they make the same amount of money. They have the same everything. Like, so what's the difference? Yes, those paths may intersect, but they are very, very different paths. Where I live, you can take the same road to get a root canal at the dentist or an ice cream at Dairy Queen. It's the same road, but the destination is very different. Amen? The journey of a believer may cover terribly hard things, but there are some parameters in place. See, Romans 8.28 says that he is working things together for your true benefit, one translator said, for your good, for your true benefit. And we know things, and when we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, right? So we know that he will, you know, if you're in him and you're following him, he'll work things together. Even things that don't seem on the surface to be for your good, he will work them into the plan, right? He will work them into the plan and work them together that it be for your good. Deuteronomy 21 to 6, he says, I will never leave you or forsake you so that we know where we go and we got him with us. These are parameters for the believer's life. Psalm 32 and 8 says, I will teach you the way you should go and counsel you with my eye on you. Isn't that good? Sometimes that's, that's not a good thing, you know, depending on who's saying, I got my eye on you. You know, when your boss says that at work. Yeah. Or, or the kids, you know, like the kids. Yeah. Hey, I got my eye on you. You. Whenever God says it, sometimes if you're doing wrong, I guess it's still kind of that way, you know. But God is not saying it in a negative sense. He's saying, I love you. And I've got my eye on you. If it says, you're the apple of my eye, I got my eye. I, I'm watching out for you. I'm counseling you. I'm giving you understanding and grace. I have my eye on you. And it's a good thing. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Some translations say, uh, say uh, a hope. Um, this translation said, uh, an expected end. I, I, I have a plan in place for you, my th- and it's good. My thoughts toward you are good. Now, the journey of an unbeliever is hard, man. It's rough. Proverbs 13 and 15. The way of the transgressor is hard. And it doesn't even say that God is hard on the transgressor, right? It's just not a good road. Whenever, you know, and, and, and I mean, for those of us who have, you know, who have walked that road, most of us, you know, at some point or another, we understand, dude, it's not even really God. It's just hard. It's, it's hard to walk without God. It's hard to walk out of, fe- out of favor and fellowship. Life is hard. People are mean. You know, life is tough. You know, you know, health can fail. There's a lot of really hard things out there, and it's not really even God, you know, whacking me at every turn. The way of the transgressor, sin is hard. Sin, whenever it is finished, bringeth forth death. Sin is a very negative influence. If you pursue sin to its fullest extent in your relationships, your your relationships will be destroyed. Pride will destroy your relationships. Lust will destroy your relationships and and, and the respect that people have about you. It'll destroy your body. Whenever we act in true sin, it's terrible. And I'm very comfortable comforting people, right? That's one of my, that, that's one of my things. I, I, don't, I don't have a heart. Like, some people, are like, are real bad about that. Just, you know, I encourage you, you know, like, and they're not encouraged. They're like, 
good? Okay, good talk. Some people are like that, right? I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't know these people. Like, I love people. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> what's going, what's really going on? Like, I, 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 I care about people. It's not hard for me to be, you know, a comforting person. Somebody that's not their gift. And they're just like, oh, you'll be all right. You know, are you alive? Yeah, you're good. You need to go to the hospital? No, you're good. You're fine. You're fine. I'm, I'm not like, I'm, I'm comfortable comforting, right? That's, that's one of my giftings. However, even for me, whenever people are talking about, you know, how everything's going to work out for somebody who's not a believer in their life, even me, even I get stumped. You know, I've, I've been, I'm not going to use an exact uh, example because that's not nice, but uh, I, I, I've had people come to me at funerals and just say crazy things except wanting me to come into agreement with them and just be like, thank you for that. And, you know, that was really good. You know, after he finished killing three people and robbing a priest and the cops finally caught up with him in that shootout, I'm just glad he's in a better place. And I'm like, mm, I commend your hope. I commend your, you know, you got a lot of faith. You make a good Christian. You got a lot of faith, right? The way of the transgressor is hard. I've had people say, you know, just live the worst kind of life in the world and be in open sin and have no, no respect for Jesus whatsoever, no desire to serve him, and then go out into eternity. And you'll be like, I just know that he's with the Lord now. And I'm just like, uh, I hope so. I know that he can save. And I know this about my God. Listen here now. I know this about my God. He searched the entire universe, not looking for a smudge on your record, by looking for a way to smudge your record and all the sin. He did not search the galaxy looking for a way to condemn you. You were already condemned in your sin. But he searched and he bankrupted heaven of its most precious asset, Jesus Christ, the sinless Lamb of God, and sent him to be tortured to death. Tortured to death. For your sins so that he could find one way to get you in. He's not looking for a way to get you into hell. He's looking for a way to get you into heaven. And it cost him everything. So don't take it lightly. There's love and grace outside of his will, but not favor. There's not salvation outside, outside of Jesus. So I needed to do some basic teaching there. Now I want to circle back. There was a purpose in the pain. Jesus loved Lazarus enough to know who people were talking about when he said, the person you love is sick. That's pretty, that's pretty deep. And Jesus heard that. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, what that sounds like, Jimmy, is that um, he sounds like he's not going to die. Right? So he's, he's not going to die. Um, you know, he, he, the sickness is not under death. He ain't sick to death. <laughs> you know, he's, he's sick. He's just sleeping. He ain't sick to death. Well, you know, we'll go there and we'll take care of him. That's what I thought it was. And then I had to read and do a little research and understand. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. And that means this sickness isn't about death. This isn't death's moment. This isn't, a, you know, this isn't about death. This isn't death's day. That's what a funeral is. 
That's what Jesus interrupted. He said, this is not, this is not death's day. This is not a sickness unto death. This is, we're not here to glorify spiritual death today. I preach that you know, there's a heaven and a hell. We're not here to glorify hell. We're not here to glorify death. We're here to glorify God who is the resurrection and he is the life. We are here not about death. We're here about life. And what Jesus is trying to communicate is that this ain't about death. Oh yeah, he's gonna die, but it's not death's day today. Not today, buddy. You're gonna see something you've never seen before because I am the resurrection and I am the life. This ain't about death. And they're sitting here trying to piece all this together. So let me tell you this. We're going real deep, real quick, all right? What you're going through is not about death. What you're walking through is not about your grief. It is not about your loss. It is not about your trauma or your hurt or the abuse. Speaking to the believer, what you're going through right now, it's not depression stay. It is not trauma's day. It is not sickness's day. That's not what you're walking through. That's not what you're walking through is about. You're like, yes, it is. I'm, I'm struggling with terrible bitterness over these things. It is about the, no, it's not. It's about a God who is going to glorify himself and bring you through this trial in victory. It wasn't death's day. And it's not your suffering's day today. You thought that it was when you came in here. That this is what it's about. This is where this is what it's about. No, it's not. And Jesus said, the sickness is not unto death. This is it's not about death. It's about the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. That's what your struggle is about today. It's not about just the pain, it's about what God can do through your pain. It's about what God can do in your pain. It's about what God can make you into on the other side of your pain. stayed two more days before heading to Judea. This does two things. It proves Lazarus would have died either way. Do you ever think about that? Like, you know, I, and am I, I, like I'm very dramatic. I don't know if you could tell that yet, visitors. The cat's out of the bag. Very dramatic, you know, and then just the way that I understand and see things. Um, and so, I don't know, sweetheart, come here. Just a little, little, you know, little, little acting out. So, I'll be Jesus, and you be Mary, and then I just want you to come to me and just say, say, why? You do this before, so like I know you, I know you can do this. <laughs> like we did this yesterday, remember? Just said, do what you did. <laughs> Told you I was dramatic. Do it. That was harder than it needed to be, number one. <laughs> now you come here, come here. We're not done. I want you to be dramatic. Just think about somebody just dying and I could have saved them. If don't nobody get saved today, it's your fault. Like, you did not help me. I'm kidding. <laughs> That's, but that is how I see it, right? I see Mary and Martha. Yeah, there, now you got it. You know, you're going to be reliving that moment. Like, why? Why? You could you healed everybody else but, but us? You love every, I, th- you, I thought you loved us. What are you, why, what are you doing in Judea? How is 
it that you have time for everybody but the people that you love? How is it, God, that, that I'm trying to serve you and I'm trying to do right? And what is wrong? Why am I the last person on your list when you're the first person on mine? I don't understand. You heal people you don't know. You heal nine lepers that don't even say thank you, but me who loves you. And you say you love me. And he's dead and he's gone. And it's been four days. And they say, you could have kept him from dying if you were here. Actually, he was two days away. He only waited two days. He was going to die no matter what. Right? But it's hard. It's hard when you don't understand. It's hard when you don't understand why God is letting you and you're trying to do it right. And you're the one walking through it. And then you've got people living like the devil. And everything they touch turns to gold. Except for the streets they would touch someday. As soon as Jesus is able to go to help Lazarus without taking glory from God, he booked it. You didn't know that. He wanted to be there. I see this in the word of God. And I will argue with you or debate you or, or bring you into agreement if I can because I see something here. As soon as he was able to go and allowed to go, he booked it to get to the one he loved. Now you say, well, what do you mean he couldn't go? He couldn't go without taking glory from God. He couldn't draw him out of the, of the miry clay. He couldn't pass him through the struggle without taking glory from God. God can't move you out of where you're at just yet without taking glory from, his, from, from, from himself and glorifying himself in your life. Now, the reason why is he was going to uh, show that he was somebody different. Um, and, and, you know, brother, Pastor Andrew talked about this. In Jewish culture, um, they kind of believe that if you're dead for three days, the spirit still kind of hovered around, and then you might still come out of it. Uh, a resurrection could possibly happen up to that time. But the fourth day, the spirit departed into the afterlife, and then it's done. Done deal. So Jesus has to wait to glorify God. And it is killing him inside. Did you know that he is touched by the feelings of your infirmities? Did you know that he weeps with you? Do you know that it breaks his heart, the things that break your heart? It's so unfair that you cast him in your mind as this callous, uncaring God. Whenever he's with you in the struggle, his heart breaks with you in the trial, in the deepest places. You don't think he wants to jump on his white horse right now and put this world right for once and for all? But God's timing. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, these three in one. But he does the will of his Father as Jesus. He does the will of his Father. Jesus said he's dead. This little passage of scripture, this one shortest verse in the Bible, 
gives us a huge look into what's going on here. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. When Jesus, when I say he can't, I mean he, he, he chooses not to. He, he can't work against himself. A house divided against itself cannot stand. You know, obviously, um, Jesus is working in concert for the Father's will to reveal, uh, to reveal the glory of God, right? So, and he can't do that without obeying God. So even when he wants to make the difference in this, we see this happening clearly. Even when Jesus can't or doesn't answer your prayers and do what you feel you need him to do, he has to stand by and watch you go through hard things, and it breaks his heart. And now, you, you, here's the other way that I know that this is true, because some of you need a little more theology, you know, to stand to stand that up on end. Um, and here's where I where my understanding on this comes from. Um, whenever Jesus hears about it first, and the disciples are like, "Hey." Um, we gonna go? We gonna do this? We gonna ride in there and, and save him? I know you love him. And Jesus says, "For your sakes, I can't go." Shows where his heart was. And then when he arrives at the tomb, he weeps in front of people. Weeps, even though he knows he's gonna raise him from the dead. He still weeps really deep truth. Let me get to that in a second. Uh, the, the first part, though, is that he, he says, it's for your sake that I can't go to the one I love, because you need to see God do what only God can do. And people around you need to see God in your struggle, in your life, in your testimony that I'm going to raise up from you. They need to see it, and we got to glorify God. So it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not unto death. It's unto the glory of God. That's why you're walking the road. You're walking. That's why you are where you're at. That's why you have to suffer sometimes. He allows it to happen for the glory of God. But even so, he is working all things together for your good. So that's the first thing there. And the last thing, the last thing. Jesus weeps. Now, this is a weird one, right? Okay? I, like I said, I'm an emotional guy, right? Um, like, I, I, I might cry at the end of it, like, a really, like, emotionally stirring, you know, movie or something. You know, like, the character, you know, you think he dies, and you know, whatever, Captain America, whoever, you think he's dead. And so, you know, you're like, you know somebody might cry, oh. And then, like, five minutes later, you know, he busts back on the seat. Ah, he's back. And you're like, oh, oh, I feel so much better about that. Okay, so he actually survives. You might have cried the first time. Do you think if you watched it again, you would cry the second time? If you knew? Like, ah, he, he ain't dead. He ain't dead. You're kind of looking over the person next to you. Let's wait. Let's wait. It's the best part. It's the best part, right? It's my favorite part right here. That's what you would do. Now, geez, think, follow me here. Jesus knows what he's about to do. Dude, he knows he is about to command this thing that the stone be moved and Lazarus is going to break all records of resurrection power and he is going to come forth in grave clothes and healing and resurrection and revelation is going to occur and it's going to be a party. You ever seen a funeral turn into a party? Invite Jesus to it. Right? I'm telling you, it turns around really quick they've hired people for this you know they've hired professional whiners that's what you did like you didn't go order caterers like you would hire people who would wail you know literally women would you, you'd pay them and they would come to the funeral and walk with the cast ah, why you know, they would and that, they don't even know them they're paid really weird and so you got all these people here 
And Jesus knows what's about it. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And he burst from the grave in resurrection power. Now we could end it there, but I have something else for you. A little, little spiritual Easter egg. Amen. Literally, actually. Yeah. Um, Jesus wept. And now I'm going to release you of some guilt that you have and help you to cope with something you're coping with right now. If you'll listen to me for the next 58 seconds. It's okay for you to believe God's promises are true and still weep in the night. See, because you've talked to yourself and the enemy has talked you into believing that it is a lack of faith that you're still hurting. Because if you really believe God was who he was and who he says he is, then you would just be happy and go lucky, right? If you're a good Christian, if you're a good believer, you'd know all things work together for them who love God and are called according to his purpose. You, If you really believe that, you'd be just... See, and that's that judgment that will happen. You, we begin to judge ourselves. Not really, because Jesus knew he was about to turn this thing into a party. And he still wept because the feelings were still there. And he still empathized. And it was still hard. You can believe God. You can believe in his promises. And still walk through hard things. You're not a bad Christian. You're not a bad believer. You're not a faithless person because you're still processing. You can believe God still walk through these things and they be very real and not only are they real and legitimate the things that you feel when you walk through what you're walking through Jesus feels them with you and he said yeah it's okay I, I feel you I am touched by the feelings of your infirmities so I release you right now my brother my sister from the judgment that you have toward yourself because you still feel what you feel even though you believe God is on the throne and in control